Welcome to the latest episode of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we are looking at something a little bit different than what was announced. What was announced was Topps X-Files Comic Issue 2, and we'll actually be covering Issues 2 and 3. I said to based on the titles, and even though this is a two-part story, unlike later stories, it's not labeled as Part 1 and Part 2. So I did initially miss the connection in the planning stages, having not read these for a while. So if you are reading and following along on your own, and you just read Issue 2, well, now you have a chance to pause and pick up with Issue 3 and come back. So this two-part story has the two titles, The Dismembrance of Things Past, and A Little Dream of Me. It's the same creative team on both. We've got an editing team of Jim Salakrup and Dwight John Zimmerman. We have writer Stefan Petuccia, pencils and inks by Charles Adler. The letterer is John Workman, and the colorist is George Freeman. So in these two stories, which oddly, yeah, they are connected, the cover art, I should mention now that I'm looking at the covers by Mirren Kim, has a different title for issue three. That's called The Return. A Little Dream of Me is, I think, much more representative of what's happening inside. It starts with the murder of a senior citizen. Then Mulder and Scully are brought in by military personnel to save the life of a general, specifically General William Palmer, who is in a nursing home. He can't speak. He's in a wheelchair. But he is one of the few surviving witnesses of a UFO crash in Neola, Kansas. And the other survivors are getting killed off. So when Mulder and Scully come to investigate, he writes them notes telling them to get out of here. They keep pursuing. Scully is skeptical, and Mulder has to admit the fact that this Neola, Kansas has become something of a tourist attraction does not help their credibility in being second only to Roswell in these UFO crash sites. They do discover that there is a conspiracy afoot. It's not a conspiracy to hide UFOs, but rather the government was using this community to test some orange gas, possibly linked to LSD, which allows them to overwrite the memories of the witnesses there. So they've convinced people there was a UFO when there wasn't. And there only seems to be one person in town who's been able to see through that ruse. While they're investigating, they learn that General Palmer is not the invalid he pretends to be. He is actually keeping the secret, and as the older witnesses, some 40 years later and 50 years later, start to recover their actual memories, and this memory rewrite gas isn't working on them anymore, then he has been killing them to protect the secrets. and. This leads to a certain Colonel Dunn, who may know a lot more about it, and in fact claims to know Samantha's whereabouts. So this is a solid X-Files story. The plot is there. Again, the cigarette smoking man strikes me as being far more emotional on the page than he is on the screen. Same is true for Mulder in one of his reactions. Although Mulder may seem like that to me because he hasn't when he was told that there may be a way to get Samantha back, given that these issues were published 
in early 1995. We hadn't seen him react to that as often when this came out. So it feels like it's in contradiction with canon, but actually the canon may not have just been established yet. So it is enjoyable overall. Like last time, the interior art doesn't seem to use the likenesses of Duchovny and Anderson. And I think that very well may be a likeness rights issue because we're three issues in now and the art is very consistent. So it doesn't look like the artist is trying to draw them and getting better at it. The models that are being used have been consistently on model from the start. So I think it is a matter of lacking the likeness rights. So they've got sort of a Duchovny style and an Anderson style in place. Although it is very jarring, I don't know why this decision was made. But for some reason, Scully's a blonde in these issues. In dark scenes, there are highlights of red. But in a fully lit scene, she is a blonde with canary yellow hair, which is just odd. So I do enjoy picking it up. It's probably most easily found in those collected editions I have mentioned before. It's a solid story, even if there are some issues with the art. Now that could be because we are looking at the comic boom of 1990s. Everything was exploding. The speculator market was out of control. Tops was fairly new in the comic book game. So the artists that they had, they weren't going to be necessarily signing up your John Burns and your Gary Franks and your other established talents of the time. It certainly wasn't going to grab anyone from Image over here. So I think having editor-in-chief of Jim Salakrup, who had a long history in comics, probably helped get this imprint off the ground and get their comic collectible market going. But I still don't know that they could have really brought in absolute top-notch talent who were established in the medium. So in this case, I actually think the writing is stronger than the art, but still enjoyable overall. Anyway, that's all I have to say about issues two and three of the Topps comic series. Please join us again in two weeks' time when we take a look at the 11th short story from the X-Files Trust No One collection that was released in July of 2015. This one is Claire de Lune by W.D. Gagliani and David Benton. So join us for that in two weeks' time, and thank you for listening.